I don't know of any place in this city whereby people of different church affiliations can come together and just pray. Now, what I intend on doing as we're entering into the summer months is I want to do a little bit more advertisement. If you look at our website, I just put it up on our website recently. Uh, and uh, I'm going to do a little bit more advertisement for community prayer. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the Christian community to come together into this place on that Wednesday and we pray. And we just seek the face of God. Now, there's, there's, there's certain risks that comes with that um, because not everybody is always praying the same thing or on the same page. So, so we're, we're going to set the tone of how that's going to be. That would be my responsibility to do that. But, but invite as many people as you know, people that are struggling with issues, and say, look, why don't you just come on out to prayer? Uh, we're not asking anything of you. We're not requiring. We just, we just want to pray. Pastor's there. You want to pray and believe God for you, that things, your life will turn around and things will get better for you. Amen. Uh, also, uh, we will be resuming our life group today. Uh, I think this is our last uh, life group series. Uh, and obviously, I think we have this week and then we have next week. How many times have we met already? We just didn't. Gosh, it seemed like we've been at your house a bunch of times. Oh, my goodness. So, this is a, so we'll have three more. Beginning today, one, two, three, right? No, four more. This is the third one today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, maybe that's why I feel yeah. like I'm. I feel like I've been. So we're in our third one. So we have three more after this. Okay, great. So um, anyway, uh, that is our last opportunity. Uh, the um, uh, uh, Eric and Tracy. Um, I get emails from her quite a bit. Um, just, just, just pray for them. Um, I think God is doing something in their lives, and uh, I can't elaborate on that, but I just want you to just hold them in prayer. And uh, they really do love the fellowship. They love the church. They love a lot of things about it. They like the direction that we're going. And so we just want to believe God for God's best for them, whatever it is that God has for them. So I just want you to, to uh, hold them up in prayer. Um, uh, Jeremiah, no, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, just hold them up in prayer as God is working in their hearts. Uh, we do need, I believe, we're coming up uh, May 8th is going to be a fantastic time. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and uh, we do need our money in for our T-shirts by today. Um, and so I think uh, if you haven't got your balance yet, check with, uh, with Peggy. But we need to get that taken care of. I think the final... Uh, the finality of the shirts have been done. We closed the deal, and so now we just need to receive the resources, uh, the, resources uh, the, the money. So uh, if you purchase shirts, make sure to, uh, to write a check and just make sure to put in the memo section of the check uh, for T-shirts uh, so that way we can properly uh, itemize it where it needs to go. Um, and so that, that trip is coming up on May 8th, so also we need the money for that. Uh, if you look in your bulletin there, it, it lists the prices. And I think we're going to need that money by next week uh, because May 8th is coming around pretty quickly. As you can imagine, I mean, we've been, where have the year gone? Uh, it is just, I can almost, it seemed like yesterday we was talking about it was New Year. Uh, it's just, uh, this is May 8th is coming up rather quickly. So we need to get that money in at the latest. If you can do it today, great. Uh, but at the latest, if we can do that uh, at no later than next Sunday, we will need to collect on that. Uh, please do so. Just make a check out the Foundation Christian Fellowship. In the memo section, uh, just put the Behold the Lamb uh, play or trip or something like that, and then that way we'll know where it, where it belongs. Uh, May 23rd is our service day. I hope everybody can lay that down on that calendar. 
Um, I'm looking forward to that. We're going to have a great time as we prepare to serve God. Uh, other than that, um, I think that is it. Are there any questions at all about anything that I said this morning? Um, if not, um, you guys, are, you know, it's, am I just, uh, am, I, am, I, am I boring or we just have a quiet church? I always believe church should be like family, like home. Everybody's just talking, excited. So get it, get it. <laughs> just listening. You're taking it all in. Okay, all right. Well, well thank you. I, I feel a little bit better now. Um, but uh, I'm really excited. I want you to get excited about what God is doing in your church um, because I really believe that, and I've, I've said this before, and I say it again. I think that really we're, in essence, we're only, think about it from this perspective. Because this is what God has showed me in my prior time, my, my private time. We're only about two or three families from going where we need to be. And this is what God showed me. We add another two or three, two to three families, solid families like yourselves, then that will be the foundation, the basis by which I really believe that we're going to springboard into what God has for us. Because we're doing some things differently. God is at work. And I don't want you to get discouraged. I want you to be encouraged. Now, if you see me walking here with a long face and I'm looking like life is over, then you need to be concerned. But as long as you don't see that, I need you to get excited about what God is doing because I am excited. I know that God has called us to be a people that will touch people, touch the world, touch the nations, touch our community. And so I want you just to, like I said earlier, just get ready and get involved. Amen. Amen. No furthermore than we'll have uh, the kids to follow uh, Miss Bailey. And then we're going to get into our new series of messages today. Amen. <laughs> Man, they're just so beautiful. I can I can remember seeing like just yesterday that uh that I was in the hospital when Jill had the baby. My goodness. Time just flies, doesn't it? <laughs> Sean, how are you doing? I'm great. You doing great? I've been up a long time. All right. Well, I will try not to bore you too much this morning. Amen. It's good to see you. I'm glad that things are going well. I'm sorry? Great. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. All right. Now we're ready. Is that favor or what? My goodness. Isn't that awesome? All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. God is just blessing you. Now. See, that's, that's the way God do it, you know. God will bless you. He'll increase your resources, and then he'll still make it able so you can continue to serve him and to make a huge impact. Amen. Amen. Why don't we uh, begin with prayer as we go into the word of the Lord this morning? And I just really want us to focus this morning. Um, I believe that God uh, really wants to speak something into our spirits that I believe that these are going to be foundational teachings, uh, that I'm going to be laying a foundation uh, because many of you are going to be involved in ministry in a heavy way, and there are some things that we need to make sure that we're prepared for as we um, move into what God has for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much 
that we have been saved. Father, we thank you that we have been bought by your blood. We thank you, Lord, that you have uh, uh, brought us into this place. Now, Father, we, are, we want you to know that, uh, Lord, we need you in this hour. Father, we need a revelational word from you. We don't need, Father God, to be entertained. We don't need, Father, to just feel, just, just feel good about ourselves. We need a word from the Lord, a word that is in season, a word that is relative, a word that will propel us, a word that will take us to another level, a word that will challenge us to be more like your son, a word, Father God, for the ages. Now, Lord Jesus, we, I pray that you would baptize me afresh, a fresh anointing, that, that fresh manna would, would pour from this pulpit this morning, and that, God, that it will fall on fertile, good ground, uh, Lord, as we press into the glory. Father God, magnify yourself in us, all of you and none of me, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Philippians chapter number 2. The book of Philippians chapter number 2. And when you arrive, then I will just give me an amen. And the first amen I get, I'm going to take off. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse, what, what verse did I say? I say Philippians chapter 2. There we go. We're going to start in verse number 1 through 4. Amen. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. As I said a moment ago, we're going to be talking about this. This new series is, is entitled Developing a Godly Character Series. And it's going to go for several weeks. And I believe that a character is very, very important in the kingdom of God. Uh, I've heard, I don't know how many of you have heard this said. It's not, it's no, it's not a scripture verse, but I, but I think it's very scriptural. That your gift will take you places but it's your character that will keep you there. Uh, there are people, and we've all run into people that are very gifted, very charismatic, can flow in the anointing and can do some wonderful things. But we've also seen some of those same people because of character flaws that they diminish off of the scene because there was something lacking in their character. I once knew a lady who was on fire for God, and I would see her out in the street, and she would, every time she'd see me, she'd want to pray, and I mean, I'm in Starbucks, and she'd come up to me, and she'd say, Pastor, you know, let's just pray in Starbucks, you know, and she just wanted, and just on fire, she just, every time I see her, she would tell me all these stories about what God was doing. 
But she had some issues with her character because she took something of mine and then refused to give it back or just flatly just ignored me. Uh, now, on the surface, that seems innocent enough, but to me, it was a big deal because I believe that the anointing flows out of a good character. I really, and I think that's, that's very, very important. Uh, you know, I think it's important that as we, you know, I've known people that on purpose, I'm not talking about make mistakes, but on purpose that have, you know, since we've been in this church, you know, have written checks that were bad checks, knowing full well that they didn't have the money in there because they did it on several occasions. And, but yet they're on fire for God. And I think to myself, I say, you know, at some point or another, we got to be able to connect the dots here. And, and, and understand the character is very, very important as it relates to the kingdom of God. If we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, then our character needs to be intact. So we're going to be dealing with some things regarding character. This is a character series. Now, as I said about some other subjects, this is not one of the things that you would go inside the Christian bookstore and they're going to be number one sellers. People are not going to be, we're going to, today, today we're going to be talking about humility. Now, yeah. Pastor, humility. Oh, gosh, I thought you were going to tell me something about how I can be blessed 15, 20 different ways. I thought you were going to give me something really, really anointed. I am. Humility. It's not one of those catchphrases of people going to the store and look for a book. I want to learn how to be more humble in the presence of God. Because most of us, if we're really honest, we don't have any problems with humility. Most of us really think that, you know, that I got it all together. You know? In fact, <laughs> Oftentimes, we have a hard time understanding why people don't see things the way that we see them. Because people, by nature, are selfish. They're by nature. I mean, you know, it's a struggle sometimes to, to submit yourself. It's a struggle to humble yourself. I, I don't want, you know, and you, know, you think about all the problems in relationships and marriages and families you know, usually, if you kind of really look beneath the surface, there is some pride. There's a lack of humility somewhere in the equation. And that's why you, you find people having all kinds of strife. The Bible says, and James talks about where envy and self-seeking exist, there's confusion in every evil work. And so as we talk about this issue of humility, I want to hasten to say this. I think it's very important that we understand this. I believe that you and I can never, ever be to the full extent what God wants us to be if we are lacking humility. It is the key character ingredient as the people of God. You and I cannot be the people that God wants us to be when we're walking in pride. We're going to show you here in a minute how that you, first of all, you cannot talk about, you cannot talk about humility without talking about pride. Because pride is the very absence of humility. And yet it's something that all of us deal with. I know that some of us are more sanctified than others. But we all have to learn how to walk in humility and understand not only that, the importance of being humble. St. Augustine once said, if you should ask me what the ways of God are, I will tell you that the first is humility, the second is humility, and the third is still humility. There's something about humility that is very, very attractive 
when you and I really embrace it. One of the things that the Bible talks about Jesus, Jesus says, that, come unto me, all you labor, and I have a labor, and I'll give you rest. Come take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and I'm lowly, I'm meek, I'm humble at heart. It is an attribute of who Christ is and who he was. He was naturally, he was a, he, he, he's humble. And the Bible also declares that the meek, the humble, shall inherit the earth. But yet in, in, in this world, there, there seems to be, and I've heard people say this to me, well, pastor, if I be that way, then people are just going to walk all over me. They won't show me any kind of respect. I just can't, I cannot let that happen. But then not Jesus says, blessed are those who use you, persecute you, talk about you and all those things. So great is your reward in heaven. But I don't want none of that, pastor. Well, do you want to be like Christ? Because you see, Christ, what was attractive about Christ was that he was different than everybody, everybody else. His, his persona was different. He was a man of humility. Look at Moses. And all of us would agree, one of the greatest men of God. Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on all the planet. Moses was, Moses was a man. I mean, Moses led the people. Moses performed great miracles. But in our world today, what people say, well, you know what? If you, if you want to get on top, you can't, all that humble stuff, you know, you, you got to be assertive. See, you got to look out for number one. And if it means that you got to step on a couple of people to get where you got to get to, then so be it. It's all fair and love and war and all that stuff, whatever, you know, the saying is, it's all fair. It's all good. Do whatever you got to do. But one of the things as a believer is that God is with you. When you're walking with God, watch this. God is with you, and God will take you places that you never thought imaginable. But you have to come to a place where you say, I'm willing to trust God with my life. And if it means that i got to go out on a limb. Now, Pastor, are you saying I must be a doormat? I'm not saying you must be a doormat. I'm not saying, for example, that if you're living in a house and uh, one of your spouse, whether it's male or female, you're getting beat up, jacked up all the time, but you should stay there and take a beating. I'm not saying that. But I, what I am saying, I think, it's, I think it's important that we understand, is, is, that, is that humility is, is when you're, you're not assuming. You know, you're, you're a person that understands that to be humble and to do things the way God wants things to be done puts me in the best position for me to be blessed. I like God to have to deal with my enemies. Because I don't know how to handle my enemies. I get in trouble. But I've learned to let God deal with my enemies. The Bible says that Jesus, think about it, the humility of Christ and all the things that he had to go through. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But the things that he had to go through knowing who he is and what he subjected himself to is amazing to me. It's amazing of the kind of humility that Christ possessed. Look at, I think you already said in, uh, we're in Philippians chapter 2. I want you to look at verses 5 through 11. Now this is probably, I think, one of the most powerful verses or passages of scripture in the entire Bible. And let's talk about what pride is for a moment. What is pride? Pride is an excessive appreciation of one's worth. An excessive, that thing beating me up all morning, an excessive appreciation. 
In other words, a person that's walking in pride, they are completely indulged in themselves. To them, only they matter. This is a person that thinks that they can do anything they want to do and that everybody should just follow what they say and do because it's all about them. This is a person that is excessively into him or herself. And usually when we meet people like that, we don't like them. Not, not very attractive. Usually when people find somebody that's kind of stuck on themselves, that's a phrase we use, you're just stuck on yourself. You think too highly of yourself. In some ways, in certain instances, we do the same thing. We're just a little bit more subtle. Ouch. I didn't get an amen on that, but I'll keep preaching. Humility is having a spirit of submission. Goes against the grain, right? Goes against the nature of submit. Nobody likes to hear that word submit. That's a terrible word today. Don't even bring that word up in today's economy. Submission, because we look at submission as the, 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 the evil thing. That's the evil word. That's, that's you know, submit. No, I, I'm my own person. I got my own mind. I can think I don't need to submit to nobody. I can just be myself. Shoot, if I don't like this job, I'll just leave. I'll go find another one. I don't like the church. Bye, I'm out of here. I don't need to submit to nobody. People need to submit to me because I am who I am. So, I mean, that's the absence of humility. Somebody is sorely lacking in that department. But yet, it, is a, it's, it, it, it flows today like wildfire. But look at this. Now, as we read this passage of scripture, I want you to think. I want you to hear the spirit of God and I want you to really grasp and understand the full capacity of what this scripture is saying, because it would change and revolutionize your life. You're thinking about pride and humility. But he says in verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Watch this now. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took taken the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above Every name. Now, listen to this for a second. Paul is the first thing that Paul says, let this mind be in you. Here's what he's saying. Here's, need, here's how your attitude need to be. This is how you need to approach situations. Let this mind. He's talking about the mind of Christ. Many of us, our goal in life should be to try to get the mind of God in everything that we do. You know, one of the things I think that is important as, as we grow in our faith is we, when we seek God in prayer, that we're not just going to God, giving God a laundry list of things that we want God to do, but that we're actually asking God, Lord, what, I, this is what I want to do, but, but Lord, what is your mind in all of this? God, I, I, this is what I think I ought to be doing, but God, is it consistent with what you want? God, how would you deal with this situation? How will you, God, deal with this person? Father, how will you handle this situation? You see, what we're doing is we're trying to get the mind of God. What does God say about a thing, about any decision that we make? I mean, it would save you from a lot of headaches. <laughs> I mean, the people, I think, you know, I'm sure many people who got married, 
you know, and married, what they call, they say nowadays, always they say, well, I married the wrong person. I always say, well, too late now. <laughs> but, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I say, look, you need to get the mind of God. Because once you make a plunge, you're making a covenant. Because we, we, we're covenant people. Christians are covenant people now. We don't always act like it. But we're covenant people. So we represent a God of covenant. So we're supposed to honor and keep our covenants. This is what God's called us to do. And I tell my kids, I said, look, here what you need to you, you need to get the mind of God. If you meet somebody one day, you need to make, you need to ask, God, can you talk to me about this issue? Usually that involves time. That involves putting on the brakes a little bit. And, and none of us like to wait. That's another bad word. Wait? Everything in our society says you can have it now. You know, I got a, got a thing in the middle the other day. Big old check. Just sign it. Sign the check. And it's yours. Think of it. And of course, I'm, for a brief moment, just for a brief moment, I thought about a couple of things I could buy. I just, and then, you know, it dawned on me, I can't do that. It's 50% interest. I can't do that. I exaggerated just a little bit. But, but, but you see, they, they play on your nows. Everybody wants something else. So we're, 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 we're rushing. We're not getting the mind of God on things. But as it relates to humility, he says, let this mind be in you. What kind of mind did Christ have? He's a sacrificial mind. A selfless mind. Uh, the, the serving mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In other words, he's, he's going to give you an insight into how did Christ think about things. So then if we can grasp, grasp how he thought, then this is the same channel by which we ought to operate. He says, look, who was in the form of God. Now, we all understand deity. Christ was God, is God. Jesus said that I and my father is one. That's why they got so upset. They wanted to take him out. Because Jesus said, I and my father will one. But when it talks about that he was in the form of God, that, that he was in essence. In fact, he was God. Think about this. Jesus, in the form of God, he, he was with the father. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. From all eternity, Christ has always been with God the Father, who being in the form of God, watch this now, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Or in some translations it says, did not regard uh, 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 equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, even though Jesus was God, he did not try to use his authority as God to try to exploit it for his own selfish reasons. He had none of that in him. He was perfect. And so he let go of his positional authority because you understand it without letting go of his deity, who he was. In heaven, when he came here, how many know that, that you know, he came and he conformed himself to flesh? And, and, and he left the glory. You know, Jesus said before he went back to the Father, he said, Lord, uh, in, in John chapter 17, he prayed, I want to I be back in the same glory that I had with you before the world began. I want to go back to that place. Jesus was willing to let all of that go. Now think about it. If you want to get a, a quick glimpse into how Jesus is honored in worship, look at the book of Revelation. I'm reading a book right now. Fascinating. Great time to read about end times. Hallelujah. And Jesus, you see that, and how they worship him, how they praise him, how the, the Bible says that all things are held together by the word of his power. 
that in him we live, move, and have our being. He's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's all of that. He left all of that glory positionally to come down and to clothe himself in human flesh. Now, think about it from this perspective. I want to go deeper. Not only did he do that, but he humbled himself, the scripture says, to a sinful and ungrateful and unthankful people who could care less for him. Now, you would think, I mean, if I was like that, you know, if I created something, let's be honest, right? If I created stuff, I ain't going to submit myself to, and let myself be beaten up and go through. No, I created you. You do what I tell you to do because I'm in charge here. He left all of that divine, listen, that divine glory for a season so that he could come down and minister to the need that we had. And, and not only that, we didn't care. We, you know, the Bible says that, that we, you know, and I think it's Isaiah, I think it's in the, um, Isaiah talks about there was no commonness or, or beauty that we desired of him. I mean, he was, he was slain. He was looked upon. He was lowly. There was nothing about him that was just attractive that you would look at him and say, oh, wow, there was none of that. He came as humble as he possibly could so that he could reach the lowest person all the way up to the highest. He humbled himself. Now, to me, when I think of that, I think to myself, wow, you, this, is a, this is a kind of humility that is, I just can't imagine. Because I would never, what would make him do such a thing? Let me tell you what would make him do such a thing. It's his nature. He, he's humble. That's why the Bible calls us that we are supposed to be the meek shall inherit the earth. By nature, God is a, he, he's humble, even though he possessed all power. Even though he's the king of kings and the, the Lord of lords who created all things, yet he's, he's humble. And so he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He had the power. He had all the privileges of, of deity. But he said, you know what? I'm willing to let it go. It's not that important to me right now. What's really important to me is you. Glory to God. If you never shouted hallelujah, that's a good time to say hallelujah. Because he did it just for you and I. And when I think about that, what humility. And if Christ, who is who he is, is willing to strip himself of that kind of glory and come and dwell among uh, uh, dwell among a sinful people who don't, who don't want to honor him, who don't want to worship him, who can care less, who disobey, you know, disobeys him, don't listen to him. He's willing to do all of that. Then who am I to walk around with any ounce of pride? How can I think that I'm better than or if, if the king of glory can do what he did, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Watch this. And being found in appearance as a man, he put on, his, he put on flesh. He was God in flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of dying, even at death on the, on the cross. Now watch this, because this is the kicker. This is the driving point. Look at verse number nine. He said, now, therefore, therefore, now, you know what I'm saying? Therefore, means you got to go back and see what was before. We just talked about that. Therefore, God also, because of his humility, 
highly exalted him and given him the name, watch this, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those things in heaven and those things on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of his humility, Christ exalted him. Make no mistake, God exalted Christ because of his humility. Make no mistake about it. It was all about the fact that he was humble enough to do exactly what God said do. He was humble. And because of his humility, the Bible says God exalted him. Let me tell you something. God is in the business of exalting his children. You know, God is your biggest cheerleader. He really is. He wants you to succeed in life. God has great plans for you in your life. But there are some conditional things that in order for us to achieve the full impact of what God has for us that you and I have to do. One of those things is we got to humble ourselves. If Christ could do that, what is it in us that makes us feel like that we have any right to think of ourselves in a certain place that we're not or to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think? How can I, when Jesus did what he did, for any moment, walk in any degree of pride? Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter number 5. And I'll read a couple of verses here. We're not going to be long this morning. We're going to... Now, watch this now. He, high, he, was, he was highly exalted. Look at this now. <laughs> Look at verse, verse number 6. Now, I just mentioned that Christ was highly exalted. He was highly exalted, why? Because of his humility. But look what Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, watch this, in due time. So, here's what we understand. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of God. God wants to exalt you. Now, exalt means to promote you. You know, the Bible said that we're supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory. You should be looking at your life every year. Every, you should be seeing some progress. You should be able to look back and say, you know what? I have grown to some levels in, in God. There's some things that I have accomplished as a believer. But he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and God will. Who would exalt you? God. Not Pastor Gary. Not your boss, whatever his name or her name is. Not the person in the community, not, not, not the president, not the senator. Not, no, humble yourself, talking to Christians, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. He will. You got an aspiration. Humble yourself and say, gee, the Bible said that, that gee, the, when they, when they, when, when, right before they, when they was uh, about to take him to the cross and crucify him, the Bible says that Jesus did not open his mouth, but he just kept committing himself to him who judges righteously. He just kept committing himself to God. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. He's, he humbled himself, okay, and, 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 and he got, and he, was he not exalted? Is he not exalted today? He's exalted above all. But he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so he'll exalt you, watch this, in due time. See, how many know that there's a timing in everything that God does? Because how many, how many of you have ever tried to eat some fruit <laughs> and it wasn't ripe? I grew up in the country. And uh, 
kids today, I, I, they, they don't think like, I mean, I don't understand young people today. I'm, you know, I'm just different. I, you know, I, you know, we would go outdoors and, uh, uh, you know, and my mom may not see me until it was dark outside. I mean, we would just be playing. We would be, we were adventurous. And when it was time for lunch, we just go to the apple tree, the plum tree, the, the, you know, the pear tree, the, the blueberry. The, that's what we ate. And we ate on the run. And my mom, they had to come looking for me because we were out there just having a great, having a blast. But now I can't get my kids. To, they can't, they won't leave the house. Go play. I don't understand it, but I'll let it be. Maybe I'm just getting older. I, I, I accept that. And they back there saying amen. But that's fine, too. But every now and then, because I would get so excited, I would be out there playing, having a great time, you know, I would, I would go get some fruit. And, and sometimes, what I remember specifically is I used to love peaches. Now, some fruits that you can kind of eat, and if they're not quite ripe, you might get away with it. Even an apple, you know, you might get away with it. But if you try to eat a peach before it's time, it just, it just tastes horrible. It's just terrible, you know. And then if you weren't careful, you get sick, you get, you know, all kind of other issues. I'm not going to go into that. But eating fruit before it's time could be a very, very dangerous thing, right? It could cause you all kind of problems. make you sick. It can cause physical problems. Sometimes emotional problems. Depends on how it makes you feel. But, but you know, what that tells me is that when you try to do something before it's time, when it's not ripe, then you really can't enjoy it. God says you want to exalt us, right? In due time. Due time meaning his time. I, you ever met people, you know, I remember, and you, now, some of you bear with me. I know Sean and Jill, my kids, y'all bear with me, you know, because you've heard this before. But, but I, I can remember when God called me in the ministry back in 1997, specifically, I mean, he didn't come down in the form, in the theophany. He didn't come down at the foot of my bed and talk to me like that. But I got a real, real strong impression that God called me. In a minute. My first instinct was to think, I'm supposed to, now is my time. But the problem I kept running into was that nobody else seemed to understand my calling. So my thing was, <laughs> God, I'm doing A, B, C. Why ain't the doors opening for me? Why doesn't this joker understand that this is my time? That God has called me. I mean, God has called me to do. God, God has called me. And I remember just feeling this, this thing of frustration. I thought, and, and what God had to show me over a period of time is that as I began to kind of ex- do certain things, I really realized, because God has a way of humbling you, doesn't he? I really realized that I wasn't where I thought I was. Because I remember thinking back in 97, I'm going to be a pastor. Glory to God. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to lead the church. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be a big old church. People are going to love their pastor. It'll be great. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. I was living in a fantasy world. I can say that now with great confidence. Had God had put me up at that time, I would have been a disaster not only to myself, I would have hurt a whole lot of other people because I was not ready. Now, you couldn't tell me that at the time. Couldn't tell me that because I've studied, prepared, done all the necessary things. You 
I've been serving God faithfully. And what God has shown me is we talk about this thing. See, what, 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 what submission to authority, well, most people look at it as you're trying to control me. That's how we look at, you know, really in, in relationships and whether it's in a church setting, whatever, whether it's at a job. We are, we, submission kind of gives the idea of control. But in God's mind, submission is what's protecting you so that you can walk into more completely, more prepared and equipped to do what it was that God's called you to do. And so you have sometimes people that go ahead of God, and it's a disaster. The fruit didn't taste good. And then when that happened, then you really get discouraged. Maybe God didn't call me. Maybe whatever God put in my heart, I'm not. Maybe. maybe. And everybody said, that is just, there's a proper time. See, here's the thing. Humility means the Lord, I'm going to trust you to do in me what I can't do for myself. And I'm going to believe God. Like, you know, if you're on your job and you got a problem and you believe that you earn a promotion and your boss won't give you a promotion because he's just full of the devil, he's evil, won't listen, then God will, God will, listen, if God is going to exalt you, it's nothing nobody can do that can stop it. Are you with me? I am convinced of that. If God decides that you walk in humility before your God and God decides to exalt you, there is no devil in hell. I don't care who, what it is that can stop what God has already decreed over your life. Because God says, I will exalt you in due time. And so I never worried about looking. Well, it was a time when I did, but I had to grow into this thing. But, you know, I don't worry about what other people say or do. Because my, my, my thing is, I want to humble myself before God. Because what I do in secret, God will reward me openly. See? So let's say you're at your job and you're working your tail off and nobody seems to be noticing. Guess who's noticing? God is noticing. And at the proper time, remember we talked, there's a time. Don't go ahead of God. God will exalt you because you're walking in humility. You're not walking in pride. You're not out there. You know, the Bible says Jesus, it's interesting, he said that Jesus made of himself of no reputation. <laughs> when Jesus was promoting his establishing the church, he didn't have a marketing plan. Y'all know that? He didn't have the fire. He didn't go do a lot of surveys on the community and marketing plan. And, no, no, no. He, he didn't do none of that. He just kept himself humbled and submitted to his father. He said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm here, I'm available, I'm ready to do it. It did not matter to him. His positional authority, he left all that. It did not matter to him. All he wanted to do was please the father. Because if I do that, then everything else will take care of itself. You see? So there's a proper time. We got to be willing. He said, he will exalt us. But where does it come from? It comes from a heart of humility. But look at verse number five in that same uh, verse number one in chapter five of first Peter. I think you're already there. It says, likewise, you younger people, you younger people, you younger people back there. Hallelujah. They won't look at me now. Hallelujah. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Glory to God. Yes, all of you, all of you, all that now everybody's coming into the fold of you be submissive to one another, glory to God. And be clothed with what? Humility. Now, now watch this. Now, here's, here's the thing that, that brings the fear of God on your life, if you're saved. If you're saved. Now, if you ain't saved, this ain't going to bother you. But if you're saved, this will, this will get your attention real quick. God resists 
the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. So maybe the reason why things and doors are not opening for some folks is because pride is at the door. And would you think maybe somebody else resisting you, perhaps it is God that is resisting you. Because God says he resists the proud. He resists the proud. What, I mean, you think about why is it that God hates pride so much? Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28, we're not going to have return there for time's sake, but read it. And many theologians, and I happen to be one of those that kind of believe this, uh, many folks believe that there's a prophetic element where it talks about how that um, there was this fall, that, that Satan thought that he was more better looking than the rest of the angels. He thought that he was better than everybody else. The Bible talks about how the Satan fell from heaven took a whole bunch of the angels with him. It was all based in pride. And he came down on the earth and he infected the entire world with pride. See, pride is this thing of, I don't really need God. And we're always trying to battle this thing of needing God. And when we get up in the morning, you have to tell yourself, read your Bible. By nature, you don't want to sit there and read your Bible. You don't want to pray. If you're anything like me, you got a ton of things to do. I can wing it, brother. I got a lot of things. I got to get going. It's that, see, and so it's this pride thing that we all deal with. It's, it comes from Satan. You understand that the hell was never created for, for people? Hell was created for the devil and his angels because of the pride and the rebellion that happened in heaven. Hell was never created for people. You know, people get all bent out about shape out of hell. God did not create hell for people. It's that people choose that they don't want to connect with God. And so that's the only alternative that's left for them because they join the rebellion with the rest of the folks and the angels that rebelled against God. Hell is never, was never created for God's people. But I want you, I want you to, I want to show you something about this thing of pride. Look at Isaiah chapter, look at Isaiah chapter 14 real quick. Read a couple verses real quick and then we're going to get you out of here. Isaiah 14, look at this. Um, Isaiah chapter 14. Now, this is Satan. <laughs> this is a, this is a declaration against Satan, Lucifer. Some of you may be familiar with this passage of scripture. But uh, Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse number 12. Now, that's going to be a common theme through these next uh, few verses. Watch this. That's going to be evident. It says now, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Watch this. Son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, here's what Satan said in his heart. Watch this. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the further sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. What is the thing? What's driving that whole passage of scripture there? Is the I. See? It's an excessive opinion of oneself. With Satan, it was all about what he wanted, what I wanted. And in the kingdom of God, 
It's about deferring to others. It's about serving other people and looking at them as being in a more higher position even than yourself. Pastor, you didn't say that. Oh, yeah, I did. That's what humility really is. Because Satan's whole thing was, it's about me. What is the driving thing you really think about in our culture today? Think about it. Everybody is concerned about I, me, what I want, what makes me happy. If it don't make me happy, I am out of here. I'm done with this. It's about me. God don't want me to be unhappy. He, he don't mean, so I'm just going to leave because God don't want me to live this way. It's about me. If I'm not happy, I'm done. But humility, you know what humility says? That I'm willing to humble myself and do whatever I can to make this a better situation. If that means I have to suffer a little bit myself, because that's what humility sometimes means, that you have to suffer. Did Christ not suffer in the flesh for us? I know it's not a popular concept, but that's in actuality what it is. Satan's whole thing was, it is about I. It's pride, you see. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? The same. Nebuchadnezzar, he came up, he says, uh, you know, he, he was full of pride. He built this great kingdom, Babylon. He'd get up one day. You know, there was judgment pronounced over him because of his pride and his arrogance. And then uh, he'd get up one day, and he starts, he looks over his kingdom. He says, look at this great kingdom that I have built. Look what I did. And the Bible says that while the word was still in his mouth, judgment was pronounced on him. And God humbled him till he lost his mind, and he ended up growing nails like claws. He had completely lost, and God had humbled him. Why? Because he thought that was all about him, that it's about I'm the one who did this. Not an ounce of humility was found in him. But in, in back to 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, God resisted proud, but he gives grace. Grace, grace, grace to the humble. Grace, grace. The word grace in the, in the Greek means charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It means favor. So let's just say, that you are a believer that makes mistakes every now and then. Do you have any of those? Well, God says, I resist the proud. Here's what God is saying. I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Grace means favor. In other words, even if you are a rebellious Christian sometimes who don't do what you're supposed to do all the time, even if you have some issues from time to time, if you are a person who have a humble heart and you say, Lord, I am a mess. God, I have some issues when you don't try to duck and not take responsibility for things wrong that you've done. If you're one of those persons like, 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 like the Pharisee and the man that was praying, the Pharisee stood up and said, thank God I fast twice a week. I'm not like that adulterer, that extortioner. I'm not like any of those guys. This is Luke chapter 14. I'm not like that. I, you know, you know, I do everything I'm supposed to do. This is the poor sinner said, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Couldn't he look up to heaven? He says, Lord, he said, forgive me. I, I'm just a sinner. Humility says, I recognize that whatever I am, it is only because God gave it to me. I only, I only have what I have because God gave it to me. Got to keep you from looking down on other people who are not in the same place that you are, economically, socially, 
educationally wise. Because whatever you have, God gave it to you. Your education, your mind, your kids, that great neighborhood that we live in. And I see we, all of us, live in great neighborhoods. But there's a lot of folks you see out there that, that it's not like you. But see, humility says, you know what? These people are just as valuable in the eyes of God. So I will treat them as such. Because everything I got, God gave it to me. If but not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I am. That'll keep you humble. He says, I give grace to the humble. So even if you blow it, God says, look, I'll still give you favor because you have a humble heart. And you recognize and you admit your fault. See, what, what, real quick and we're done. Uh, we're done. Real quick, real quick. Watch this. Give me two, three minutes. Two, three minutes and we're done. How do you know when you're walking in humility? Just, just four little things. Watch this. Number one, you're easily corrected. You ever met people, you try to tell them something? I know that. Well, brother, let me tell you. I know that. Well, you know, I want to tell you about that. I know that too. Like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ever met people like that? Can't tell them nothing. Humble people are, they're easily corrected. The Bible says a wise man will hear and he will increase in learning. Humble people, they, you know, they just, they say, you know what, let, let me hear what you got to say because maybe after all, I may miss it, you know, because I'm not perfect. I don't have all everything. I don't have all the knowledge that there is to have out there. So a humble person is easily corrected. A humble person also is not argumentative. You know, the Bible said that the man of God must not be quarrelsome. It's a good practice to learn how not to argue with people. My wife tell y'all, and she, I, don't, I don't argue. I mean, I may elevate my voice every now and then. My kids really drive me up the wall. But, uh, you know, you ever met people that just like to argue for the sake of argument? I need to win this argument. And after a while, it doesn't really matter where the truth is. That doesn't matter. What matter is, I got to win this argument. I got to come out on top. You got to see it my way because I have the monopoly on truth. I exaggerated just a little bit, but that's how it comes out sometimes in the eyes of God, I believe. A person argumentative, they just want to argue a point that you can't tell them anything. A humble person says, you know what? You said I got this problem. I don't really see it, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to take that under advisement. I'm going to go pray, and I'm going to ask God to show me where I am because just maybe, maybe there's a problem with me. We think about if many marriages was like that, when we deferred, we take the lowly place, the humble place in our marriage and our relationship. Don't you think we have less, a lot less arguments? If everybody said, you know what? I'm going to take the humble place. Yes, that's good. I'm, I'm just going to take a position and I'm not going to be argumentative because I want to seek mutual understanding. That's a humble person's attitude. A humble person will admit, number three, they would admit their shortcomings. They don't got a problem telling you what their weaknesses are. I, I, I blew it. I, I got this issue. Because they understand that they're only human. Pity the fool that tries to walk around, as, as Mr. T used to say, pity the fool, who try to pre present a persona that they have no errors in their life, that they're mistake-free. I don't know too many people like that. I've heard some people try to present themselves as such, but I've hung around with people that are pretty holy. 
and, uh, and I see the flaws. If you hang around me from time to time, you'll see my flaws too. In fact, I'll tell you what my flaws are so you know right up front. Because there's no perfect Christians out there. But humble people, they realize that. I'm just, humble people, they don't, lastly, humble people, they don't sound the alarm. They don't, when they do something great, they don't have to go and advertise and tell everybody, look what I did. I just gave some food to the poor. Hallelujah. Did everybody hear me? I just gave $1,000. Somebody say, shout amen. Somebody recognize what I did. Uh, you know, it's humble people don't sound the alarm. The Bible says what you do in secret, God will reward you openly. So when you do a good deed, you do something really neat, something really cool, and nobody come and pat you on the back. Just know that God saw what you did. And God said that he will reward you openly. So whatever you do, just do it. Just do it in quietness. Don't worry about it. people. Don't, sometimes you're going to run into people. You might run into If you stay here, you might say, well, Pastor, I, I did this and that. And the pastor didn't even recognize. But first of all, I mean, you know that there's no ill will on my part. Sometimes I'm just occupied with other things. And I may not see it all. But God sees it all. And that's what's really important. I'll close with this. You remember in John chapter 14? I believe John chapter 13 or 14 where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He girded himself. Jesus knew that he was going to be back with the Father. He uh, got a towel in the basement and he washed the disciples' feet. You remember what Peter said? What did Peter say? When Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. What did Peter say? He said no. Why did he say no? And Peter was pretty sincere. He said, you Lord, you don't wash my feet. I'm supposed to wash your feet. He said to Peter, he said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have a part with me. Old boy got a revelation. said, well, Lord, not just my feet, but my whole body, please. And that's, you know what Jesus was saying to Peter? You don't know me. You don't know who I am. Because greatest among you are servants. I'm a humble servant. And the, what I've done to you, you're supposed to go back and do to one another. You serve one another in humility. This is what we're called to do, to lay down our lives for our brothers. We're to think about other people. Not just look out for your own interests, but also the interests of other people. That's humility at work. And so we're going to be dealing with several things and that's dealing with our character. But I want you to take this lesson this morning and, and, and don't think about nobody. Because sometimes, you know, we hear a word. We always think sometimes other people pop into our brain, right? Just say, okay, this is just for me. And just ask God. Say, Lord, show me where I am walking in pride. God, where I am walking in pride. Because if you're human, there's probably a couple places that God's going to shine a light on. I'm not asking you to say anything to me. I'm just saying in your moments with God, say, Lord, wherever there's pride in my life, show it to me and then help me to, to deal with it. Drive it away from me because I understand that's not who you are. Let's pray.